Welcome to Twice Born Podcast. I'm Mike Bailey. If you haven't already, please go to the website twiceborn.net and also you can see videos on YouTube and Facebook. And if you would like to reach out, please email twicebornministry at gmail.com. Enjoy. And so we want to continue this series. Uh, getting a good start in 2022. If you haven't already, we made a commitment at the beginning of the year for the first 40 days to start each day through prayer and reading through the book of Acts, a chapter of Acts a week. And we're into Acts chapter 3 this week. And hopefully you had the opportunity to do that. If you haven't been able to do that, start it. It's fine. Get on board with us now. Uh, Precede every day with prayer right? That was the first thing we talked about. That was the first principle. Uh, We need to precede the year in prayer. We need to precede the day in prayer. We need to precede every decision we make in prayer. And prayer is more about listening sometimes than talking and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. And so we want to precede things with prayer. Uh, Last week I was told uh, one of our great prayer warriors spent the whole Sunday praying for this service. And as many of you know, there was an anointing over this service, and, I, and I'd be encouraged for all of us to consider committing to prayer, because that's where the power is. And so we're thankful for that opportunity to precede in prayer, begin the day in prayer, begin the year in prayer. We want to continue to do that. Uh, we talked last week about the, the truth that we want to be disciples who make disciples of all generations. That we're, our mission here is first, we have to be disciples, so I have to be twice born. I have to be born uh, of the Spirit, and then by repenting and believing and following that plat path of, of what Christ has laid down for me, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that today, but being a disciple. Being a disciple doesn't mean I was once saved, now I don't have to do anything. Being a disciple is taking up my cross and following Christ on the journey that he has gone before and is directing me in by his Holy Spirit. And so we want to be disciples. We're students of the master teacher. We are following the leader, the one leader, Christ Jesus. And then we want to invite others to join us on that journey. So we want to make disciples. We, uh, the, the thing that we were told by Christ before he left is go and make disciples of every nation. And so we want to make disciples. And we want it to be every generation represented from babies to those in there that are almost 100. We want to make disciples. We want to encourage and mature everyone so we can all be disciples. And today, I believe as we look at Acts chapter 3, we have to, we have to commit to being brave. We have to commit to being brave. And uh, throughout my life, um, I've seen where it can be very difficult to be brave as a Christian. And I've seen Christians that have not been brave, and I've seen Christians that have been brave. But now is the day, this is the year for us to be brave, to not be fearful, to not be ashamed, to not think the world has a better answer, or somehow we're we're living in, in a lie, but we have the truth, and we need to live with that bravery of the truth. Now, I had some bad examples of bravery growing up. My, my older brothers were not the greatest examples. But uh, over this last break, my brother Tom came and visited with his family, and we got to sit down and talk. And I never really got to talk to him about his Marine experience. And he had joined the Marines right out of high school, and he wanted to be recon. And he, the guy who recruited him had told him all these amazing stories of what you get to do in recon and all the adventures you get to go on. So that's what he wanted to do. Unfortunately, the Marines had a different plan for him, and he had to do security. And so that was kind of a letdown for him. But my second brother, who's the, the brother between me and him, Doug, he was able to do recon. And Doug was always the brother that had a story that went along with his life. 
I don't know if you have anyone in your life like this, but basically my life, the excitement of my life when I was growing up was what happened with Doug today? What happened with Doug this week? Uh, when we were little kids, uh, we, we didn't, you know, my dad was a pastor. We didn't have a lot of stuff, and we shared a bicycle. I remember it was this old, brown, rusty bicycle, and uh, Doug tried to make a ramp. And Doug, was, the thing that made Doug great in the Marines is he never said die. He never quit. He would go until they killed him. Because he just did not, that was his mentality. I don't care what it is, I will never give up. And so he was dared to do a backflip off of this ramp. And so he took this old, rusty, nasty bike, and he made a little, you know, really poorly made ramp, and he tried to do a backflip. And guess what happened? He landed on his back on the hot pavement. An emergency, had to go right to the hospital. Um, they had to do some things to, to repair the skin on his back. And so he was homebound for two weeks, two weeks. And after the two weeks, mom said, okay, Doug, you can go out and play again, but we don't want to go to the hospital again. That same day that she allowed him to leave the house, those same kids that had dared him to do a backflip, dared him to walk on a branch that was about 15 feet in the air with no hands, and my brother Doug is brave. He is, you going to dare me to do that? I'll show you. Well, guess what? As he was walking, he lost his balance, fell and hit his face, knocked out his front tooth. Off to the emergency room he went again. My job as little ambulance Mike was to go back and find the tooth. And I ended up finding the tooth in a cobweb. <laughs> and they put it in milk. Unfortunately, the tooth was not able to be kept. But you know, I look at, back at my life and there's so many stories like that, so many things that happened, so many things that I remember vividly now uh, because he was not afraid to do things. He was not afraid of what people dared him to do and that helped him in his life in the Marines. But as a Christian, as a Christian, how can I be brave in the same way? How can I trust the Lord in that way? And one of the greatest examples I have in my own life is my father. Believe it or not, uh, my father's not six foot tall. He's, he's not even 5'10". He's close to my height, which is a good height for a, a Greek man to be. <laughs> but he wasn't the tallest guy. He wasn't going to intimidate you. He wasn't going to be, he's, you don't walk in the room and think, wow, that guy is, he's something. He was just an average guy. And he took me one year when I was in high school to the National Day of Prayer in Albany, New York. And there, one of the speakers was this 6'11 basketball player um, who had played with Michael Jordan, and he was a well-known basketball player, and he was there to give his testimony. And so I was so excited to hear this athlete give his testimony. At the end of his testimony, he sat down, and we ate the breakfast, and my dad, as soon as, as that time came, he made a beeline right to this gentleman, and he went to him, and he said, I really appreciated your testimony. One thing I noticed is you never use the name Jesus in the testimony. And I'm looking at this, and I see a man that's about a foot taller than my dad looking down at my dad, and my dad is directly looking him in the eye and saying, why didn't you say Jesus in your testimony? And the athlete said, well, they told me not to use Jesus. And he, I, I can remember it to this moment. He said, if you're a follower of Jesus, you always say his name. You are never ashamed or afraid to say the name Jesus. And to see this tall, strong man kind of wilt back. And to see this, you know, this, this visual image of what it means to be a brave Christian, to not be afraid. When the world says be afraid, how do you get to that? 
How can we be brave in our faith? That we stand for our love for God and we do it in a loving way, but we have that bravery in our lives. And the question I have this morning as we go to God's word is are we brave? Are we brave? Am I a brave follower of Christ? I know I want to be. How do we get to become brave followers of Christ? So let's precede his word in prayer and ask him to lead us as we desire to know the truth. Father God, I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy and your hope. I thank you for the examples you give, give us in our lives of, of what it means to be your follower, to bravely follow you, to be bold in our faith and to be strong in our faith and not weak. And Lord, as we talk about this, I, I pray that it would be clear that your words would be um, straight to our heart and our mind, that we would understand them. Guide us in this conversation. Protect us from the evil one. Protect us from our own fleshly desires to wander off and, and not focus. And Lord, help us to be directly connected to your spirit. Uh, allow our spirit to, to just uh, be open to the knowledge and wisdom that you give us. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, just help us to see the value of every day. And Lord, as you return, that we would uh, be ready for that day, that when you return, uh, that you would be excited as we are as excited to see you, uh, that we'd be faithful to that moment. And Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we read God's word, it is, is so valuable and so important for us to understand context. And every week I try to make sure we understand the context because uh, there's pastors, there's books, there's all kinds of things that can take things out of context, take God's word out of context and, and take a, a verse or this or that and try to build a whole belief system that's inaccurate. And so we want to make sure that we know the context so that we know exactly what was God saying to who and why and how did they receive it and what does it mean to us today. And so as we read this, we have to recognize for thousands of years, everybody knew what the problem was. They all knew about sin, that sin had, had caused a separation between us and God, that our imperfection was not allowed in the presence of his perfection. And that caused a great issue and a great problem. And for thousands of years of human history, uh, there was understanding within the Hebrew culture, that we are separated from God by sin, and there was a temporary solution in bringing a lamb or an offering to be slain for your sin, but that was temporary. There was no permanent solution to the problem of sin. And so it wasn't until this moment when Jesus arrives is the permanent solution revealed. That anyone even knows, how do I live right with God? How do I make sure my life is aligned with what God wants me to be doing? How do I even know uh, what I am to do day to day? And so for thousands of years, they were waiting to hear this answer. And when Jesus arrives, the answer is given. And that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 3, verse 22 through 25, where Peter and John are teaching the people. And here's what they say. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you, and anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with his father. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. 
And so what Peter is saying, he's saying, look, you value Moses uh, for the Hebrews, for the Jew. Moses was, was their main person. That was the point of origin. That was their father. That was the father of their belief. They said Moses, that there was a promise given to him that has been passed down to today. Um, you have Abraham. You have the prophets. All of them were speaking about this solution to sin, and that is Christ. And Peter goes on to say, you were given a choice, if you remember, to receive Christ or to receive Barabbas, and you chose to receive Barabbas. And what did you say about Jesus? You said, crucify him, crucify him. And so when the choice came, uh, you chose to crucify the answer that Christ had come to give to you in, in resolution to sin. And so Christ went to the cross, and he died intentionally for our sin. And yet he didn't stay dead. He rose in three days. And on the third day, he came back to establish a new promise for all of us. But in it, we see the problem. Acts chapter 3, verse 17. Here's what he says. It's really interesting. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. Brothers and sisters, friends, I know that for part of your life, you acted in ignorance. You know, in part of my life, I acted in ignorance. I thought that the world had the answers. If I could be successful in the world, if I could make it in the world's eyes, then that was what life was all about. And he said, no, I know that's what you thought. I know that's what your leaders told you to think. Even think today, when we watch our leaders today, uh, if we solve these small problems, it will give us the ultimate solution. It doesn't solve the real problem, does it? The real problem can't be solved economically. The real problem can't be solved with new laws. The real problem can't be solved with new technology or progress in a modern direction. That doesn't solve the real problem of life. And so Peter's really diving into this tension. And you know, there's two forms of sin that Peter's talking about. And these are Bible words, and today we're going to talk a lot about uh, words that we as Christians have come up so we can have a better understanding of all of this. And so these are words you're never going to hear out in the world. But as you hear them in the church and as you share them or understand them, it gives us a deep understanding of who we are and what we're to do. There are two things in sin that each one of us do, you and I do. We're told throughout Scripture. There's the sin of commission. The sin of commission is when I intentionally do the wrong thing. I know it's wrong. I do it anyway because I think it's a better way than what God has for me. Right? And we've, how many are guilty? I'm guilty. I have sinned through commission. I have committed that sin. I have done it willfully. I knew it was wrong. I still did it. I didn't care that it was wrong. I was still going to do it. Right? And so all of us have sinned through commission. And we've also sinned through the other form of sin that we all struggle with, omission. Omission. Omission is sinning when God tells you to do something, you know it's the right thing to do, and you don't do it. Do you know you can sin by not doing what God wants you to do? You can sin by not being faithful. You can, be, you can sin by, by choosing not to be obedient. And so when you look at sin through that lens, I can sin through intentionally sinning by, doing, by not doing what I'm supposed to do or, or doing the wrong thing, or I can sin uh, by not doing what I'm supposed to do. That puts us in a really bad situation, right? That puts us in a really bad situation. So what's the answer to all of that? 
And that's what Peter says. Look, you're, you've believed the lie if you think you're good enough to overcome these sins on your own. You've been told if you obey a certain amount of rules, you'll be okay. Because you're better than the other guy. And you're not as bad as this. But the truth is we're all stained by this sin of omission and commission. And we're all guilty. And some, whether we think we have a lot of sin or we think we don't have a lot of sin, we're all guilty of it. And within us, we do not have the solution. Our leaders don't have the solution. You and I don't have the solution. Money doesn't have the solution. Technology doesn't have the solution. There is no solution to this problem except for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so this is so vitally important because now we get to the meat of what they're teaching us in Acts chapter 3 verse 18. This is God's answer. But this is how God will fulfill what he foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer, he had to suffer, then repent, then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that a time of refreshing may come from the Lord. Do you realize that he suffered so you could have life, and the way that you have that life is through repentance and belief? Repentance and belief. Every Sunday we talk about being twice born. That you must repent and believe to come to Christ. And this morning I'm asking if you haven't repented initially, that you should repent today. So that you can come to this time of refreshing. What a beautiful thing, this image that Christ gives us. That, that you will have a time of refreshing. Have you had that time of refreshing in your life? You see, it's so important to understand what, what's happening here. You see, it says Jesus died, he was the Messiah, he suffered on the cross so that he could pay for our sins, and he paid for us. We have two words that we use. These are Bible words, these are church words, these are Christian words we use to try to understand really big things. The first word is called justification. When you repent of your sin, justification happens. The easiest way to understand the word justification is this just as if I never sinned. Justification is just as if I never sinned. When you stand before the king of the universe, God, and he judges you, you are justified before the judge because of what Christ did on the cross. It is called justification. And you get that justification when you repent of your sin. Repentance is a directional term. I recognize I was going the wrong way. I have turned and now begin the right way. And I don't trust in my good works. I don't trust in doing a, a list of rules. A lot of Christians believe Christianity is, is obeying a, a list of rules. That being a Christian means you obey a list of rules. Um, and that's how you be a good Christian. Most religion in the world believe that if you do good things, good things will happen. That's not Christianity. Christianity is not about a list of rules that you do. Christianity is you are spiritually dead, and you must be twice born, and once you're alive, then you can truly grow as a human being. Amen. And until we understand this, this is a part that the world really struggles with. This is a part where we all have to really dive in deep to understand. I am justified not because of me, but because of him. And so there's a moment, and it's only once in your life, that you are fully justified. That means all the sin past, present, and future are taken care of. 
You don't have to pay for your sin of the future. You don't have to pay for the sin of your past. You aren't accountable for that sin. It's been justified by the cross. It is a free gift. And we all, and many of us have heard this our whole lives, and, and, and it's something that we work through, justification, just as if I've never sinned. But there's another part that maybe you missed, and it's just as important in my mind. It's called sanctification. Sanctification is the work that God begins in your life once you are justified to mature in your faith. That you become what he wants you to be. And so there's two things when you stand, all of us, and, and this is one thing, I, I, please share it with others, please remember it, please use it regularly. There are two things that all of us in this room will be accountable to God for. Two things. You will stand before God, and he will say, what did you do with my son Jesus? Are you justified? Has justification happened in your life? First, most important. Have you repented and believed? But then there will be a second question. What did you do with the new life that I gave you? Sanctification. Did the work of sanctification occur in your life? Did you stay as a baby or did you grow into an adult? The same principles that apply to our physical existence apply to our spiritual existence. You didn't learn English because it naturally came to you. You didn't learn to walk because it naturally came to you. Most of the things you can do now, it was through struggle and, in a sense, confession. I recognize that I can't do this right, and someone's going to help me until I can do it right. You didn't learn to read or write or do your job or understand all the things that you understand, except you went through a lot of struggle, a lot of failure, and a lot of confessing that failure and trying to get better at it. When you are twice born as a Christian, sanctification is the same process of growth. I don't confess my sin because it saves me now. I confess my sin because it sanctifies me. I recognize I messed up. And that's not what God has for me. And for me to progress, I need to confess. And you know, when I'm a believer, I've been, I've been justified. I am just before God. It doesn't mean that I stop sinning by omission or commission. I still intentionally sin. I still sin by not doing what I'm supposed to. And you know what I need to do for both of those? Confess. And what Peter is saying here is as a believer, when you come to Christ, the refreshing comes when you begin to grow in your sanctification. You begin to become what God intended you to be. 